Hey everyone, it's Kai here. Look, we've had a little bit of a break. Obviously, the world at the moment is a little bit different uh, to, I guess, what we're used to. And I think we, we've heard enough about that. But what I am really excited about today uh, is actually the launch of season two of How To Be Curious. You might notice uh, we've got some new graphics uh, and we've got a whole new lineup of people uh, to, to chat about curiosity, to chat about how uh, their journey, their story has been inspired or sort of started or led by curiosity in some way. We're going to be talking to a broad range of people um, and, and I'm really excited to kick this season off uh, with a good friend of mine uh, and a mentor early on and definitely a friend as we've progressed and worked together, David Castellanelli, uh, a success coach uh, and, and a really stand-up guy. Uh, he's he's going to talk about a few different things, primarily some of the more tangible tips uh, around self-development, um, time management, productivity, all that type of thing, but also about his story, uh, his journey to, to get to the point where he is today. Uh, obviously, we all uh, aren't born success coaches. And, and one of the, the, the big reasons he's now teaching lots of young people around Perth, Australia, internationally, uh, is actually through curiosity, a curiosity that was sparked by a late night YouTube video that he watched. Uh, but I'll let him explain that a little bit more in detail. I'm really excited to, to be having you a part of season two, uh, and I really appreciate you tuning in uh, amidst all the craziness. I'm Kai Lovell. This is season two of How To Be Curious. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Castellanelli. I'm currently a success coach for young people, uh, mainly in Western Australia, but all over Australia. And my main job is coaching young people to help them with self-development, motivation and study skills to really help them succeed in and outside of school. You know, I'm a success coach now, but I didn't start like that. Um, I started like everybody else as, as a young person who was really quite confused uh, through my early teenage years about what it is I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to be. And for me, it really changed one night, Kai, when as you're doing as a young person, you're on YouTube at like 2 a.m. in suggested videos, <laughs> as we do from time to time. And yes. uh, I see this video by a guy called Eric Thomas called How Bad Do You Want Success? And, um, you know, something just piques my interest about this video. I click on it. It's 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm watching this really over-the-top uh, American motivational video, right? Like, yeah. believe in yourself. Don't give up on, on your dreams. <laughs> so all that stuff you probably watch all the time. And, um, yeah, it just really excites me. And for the first time in my life, I start to think, hey, maybe maybe I actually can control my situation and, and make some improvements to make myself better. Like what I've always been told I am or my natural performance can be improved and, and can be worked on. So... I actually start the process by coming home every afternoon after school and I would watch these motivational videos before I'd start studying. So wow. I would you know, watch like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe on YouTube, just you know, going through five, six videos to pump myself up because uh, like most people, I found it quite boring and I didn't have any process to deal with that at the time. So that was my way. And then you know, from there, it kind of snowballed into 
listening to podcasts and similar to yourself, uh, like when I was 15, 16, 17, I started going to seminars and things like that, often as the youngest person in the room with a lot of adults. Yeah, feel that. Yeah. Um, and trying to accelerate my success by being around people who were so much further ahead than me, I suppose. So that's how I kind of like got into it. Um, so I just want to preface by saying that I certainly didn't start as a success coach, nor did I ever think I would end up here. But I enjoyed it so much along my journey. And I just thought I need to be able to teach this to other people because they need to know this as well, because it changed my life so much. And I can mm. see now the impact it's had in others. I'd love to sort of get into how at the moment, obviously, people are experiencing this this sort of pandemic. Mm. Uh, from your perspective, what you've been doing at the moment, how are you adapting? So, in terms of what my day currently looks like, what I've been building up for so long is really positive stuff, particularly first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And what I can say on that for people who are listening and might want something practical to do is the idea that our brain is very active first thing in the morning, usually for the first 20 minutes, 15 minutes, and last thing at night for the last 20 minutes. The reason for that, without getting really scientific about it, is just kind of, um, it's a thing called brain or wave cycles per second. And when you dream, if you can remember all those nightmares you've had, Kai, or all those amazing dreams you've had, essentially yeah. what's going on is you've got high wave cycles per second. And when you wake up and when you go to sleep, your brain is very uh, impressionable. It can be easily manipulated or influenced at those times. So if you're going to social media first thing in the morning and everything you're seeing is COVID-19, coronavirus, scary stuff, you're going to live in that state of mind. You're going it sets to sets the tone. Mm. It's a hundred percent the tone. Like, I mean, I could ask you, like, what's the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up? To me, I uh, it, it honestly it changes, especially at the moment, um, which is something I'm working on at the moment. Usually, uh, when I wake up, um, I'll, I'll come upstairs. Um, I'll try and and squeeze in sort of a five minute sort of guided meditation, um, and nice. then usually I'll, I'll jump on. Um, I'll, I'll scroll through um, notifications just to see if there's anything important, but mm -hmm. I won't go into any detail generally. I'll, I'll usually put that away um, and then I'll, I'll, you know, go make food, go and hang out with the family. So, I try and, well, you know, I try and check, you know, that the, the world isn't falling apart, that, you know, I'm not going into so much depth that that can then take control, you know what I mean, as you were saying. Totally. And I mean, I'm not going to probe into your love life here today because I know this is supposed to be a love life podcast, but yeah. let me just, let me give you an example. Right? Do you have Snapchat card? Do you use Snapchat? I do. Yeah, I've I've, I've used it uh, probably since probably since year eight. Yeah, since year eight, right? So you know, Snapchat was quite big. I suppose when I was in year ten, it was really taking off. And mm -hmm. you know, if you can think about yourself sending a Snapchat to your crush, right? Last thing you do at night, you got this crush on someone, and you send him Snapchat. And you wake up first thing in the morning. It's the first thing you go to check, and you see your your crush has left you on scene or left you on red, right? That horrible Ouch. feeling <laughs> where your stomach just sinks. That is essentially going to set the tone for your day. So, that's wow. why, you know, that's, that's another example, but it really just shows us that if we set a positive tone for our day, we're going to have a great day. If we set a really negative tone, generally, that's where this whole saying of you woke up on the wrong side of the bed uh, comes from. Um, and there's this other great quote in the motivation world, which says that the very first thing that happens to us in the morning has more impact on us than the next five things combined. So, you know, whether you believe in that or not, there's some truth there that this first thing has some impact. So that's really what I'm kind of working on 
at the moment, the That's morning and night routine. Really interesting, David. And, and you know, th- those are some some very um, specific and tangible examples of, of some of the, I guess, wisdom and sort of experience uh, mindsets that you've developed through this process. Uh, and I think in, in particular, uh, what really stands out to me about you uh, and sort of how, how we've worked together in the past is how holistic uh, and sort of, I guess, you know, uh, broad and sort of complete your approach to things are. Um, I, I don't think um, in in this sort of area of being a success coach that you can you can just be so uh, focused on one area that you lose the bigger perspective. And I think that's something you've absolutely nailed. And um, I, I'd love to sort of hear, you know, obviously you're doing um, some of the more digital stuff now, but mm. what was that looking like for you previous to all of this? What were you doing on a day-to-day basis uh, in that sort of success coach area? What am I doing as a coach? Like what types of stuff am I doing with students? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a whole range of things. As you said, you do have to take a full approach to it. Like you can't just assume that I suppose study skills or mental health or social media by itself is going to help someone. Um, It's only one, you know, minor part of the puzzle. And it's tricky. It's complex because in life we're balancing so many things. You know, you're balancing your fitness, your financials, your relationships, your study, your motivation, this, all these different things that you could potentially be working on. Um, so I try to help people really be successful in the thing they choose to be successful in. Um, most of my career started in, in public speaking live presentations. I uh, was first invited back to my old high school Chisholm Catholic College in 2016, the year after I graduated to deliver a study skills presentation to the year 12s um, based on the ATAR I'd achieved. And um, I loved it. It was really good. And they enjoyed it as well, the school. So the school actually recommended me to a couple other schools. And then I got speaking gigs there. And I did my first, I want to say about 25 to nearly 30 presentations totally for free. Um, And sometimes, you know, as a student, I was paying like $50 $50 worth of fuel costs to, it was cost, yeah. <laughs> to drive like an hour and a half to some random school out in the middle of nowhere that I'd uh, never heard of. And, you know, Perth is so widespread here in WA, obviously, like it, it, this place is everywhere. Um, so I'm going to all these places north and south and I, I don't know where I am, but um, I'm getting in front of people and I'm speaking and it's starting to work. And then from there, yeah, I really got into speaking full-time and starting to turn it into a job, a profession, into a business. Uh, We trained up a team to do the same. And then we decided to make it more long-term, more holistic, like you said. So rather than just doing a one-off, airy-fairy, what we call a sugar-high presentation that gets your dopamine firing. It's a very American-style thing, you know, where it's like, just keep going, don't give up. Um, (laughs) Makes you feel amazing. But uh, you come out a few days later going, what am I supposed to do next? I'm lost now. Um, and I think we've all, we've all been there for sure. And, um, yeah, we wanted to avoid that. So we then created long-term programs. So it was like weekly coaching with smaller groups of students. And then we took it all online for the convenience of people just being able to do it in their own home, in their own time, uh, and whether they actually personally felt like they wanted to do it rather than their teacher forcing them to. And... Obviously, that was quite a smart decision given the state of the world right now. In hindsight, yeah, wow. Yeah. At the moment, um, obviously, you know, you're sort of relying on that online content um, and, and one of your programs, uh, Rise, has uh, has been something that 
myself going through it out of interest have been finding uh, a lot of value out of. And, um, you know, I, I want to sort of thank you for sort of putting that out there at this time because from my understanding, that was something you sort of mobilized because of all this. What was that process like? Well, firstly, thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. that, man. And also, it was amazing to have you on board and get your feedback on the program. So, you know, we've been getting a lot of great feedback on it for a lot of high-achieving students going through it, and we just keep trying to make it better each and every day. The process behind it was our mission and vision at a core level is to really help students succeed and thrive. And obviously, the situation changed, and a lot more people are now going through a lot more difficulty. They're experiencing differences in their daily schedules and habits that they haven't experienced before. So there is a lot of buzz and interest, I think, around new routines and self-development at the moment in particular. So we thought, look, we need to change some stuff up. Some things we've been doing for the last two years are not relevant anymore and we're not mm-hmm. going to be left behind and keep preaching things that were so 2019 when this is a different <laughs> world. So uh, we had to create something different. We created it quickly. It's, um, it's a short course. It's only about five hours worth of content. And the reason for that is it's really it's kind of like a, a lifeline almost, Kai, in the sense that, you know, if you're out there feeling like you're drowning in all the struggles and difficulty, uh, the lack of motivation, the procrastination that might be there, this is really that, uh, that floaty device, I suppose, that's going to keep you afloat for now. And then we're further working on programs that are going to help people get back to the point where they used to be, if not further ahead once this all kind of ends. What a great way to sort of phrase it, a lifeline that sort of floaty device. I love it. Um, I think I think also when you're sort of talking about uh, these sort of courses, obviously you have people that are sort of already connected with you in some form, whether they're on a mailing list, an Instagram account, they sort of know who you are. Um, but I think almost uh, in, in these types of courses, whether it be looking at leadership or entrepreneurship or personal development, it actually, I want to bring it back to that first video that you watched, uh, that Eric Thomas video, How Bad Do You Want It? How Bad yep. Do You Want Success? Um, I, I've Still watched on that YouTube. video myself. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's actually a really fantastic speech. Mm. Um, and, and I think that the metaphor that he mentions, which I won't go into, you can search it up yourself, Eric Thomas, uh, how bad do you want it if you want to check it out. Um, the metaphor he uses has really stuck with me. And I think ultimately it comes down to uh, this, sort of, this sort of content as well because a lot of young people want to become a successful entrepreneur. They want to better themselves, but they actually have to want it, have that inside of them, that sort of burning desire. And I mm. think- if you have that, uh, it's going to carry through into the work that you end up doing with yourself. But but ultimately, you know, that, that video, how bad do you want it, I think really applies at the moment because, you know, these courses, uh, the ones, you know, you're making yourself are out there. Every YouTube video that's ever been on this this topic has been out there. Mm. Um, you know, the eBooks, the online courses, reaching out to mentors, it's all out there. And especially at the moment, that's so uh, accessible and, and quite often free. So, it's it's really coming down to how bad do you want it? And I think that's a, that's a really uh, interesting message. go back to that year or two years where this started to sort of bubble up inside of you because obviously we've looked at 
you know, at the moment, um, you're doing a lot of online. Beforehand, you were doing sort of school presentations and and sort of long longer term workshops. Mm. Uh, but how do you think that emotional intelligence was developed in you? Like, obviously, at that point, there wasn't the David Castellani courses out there for yeah. you to, to sort of go through. Um, so I, w- I want to understand that sort of six month, one year to two year sort of post. You know, how bad do you want it? Video on YouTube. What did that? that what did that look like for yourself being a high school student? I think uh, the main thing that ignited within me, which you've kind of touched on here, is that I saw other people being able to do it, and they were in a same position as me. If you get what I mean, Kai. You know, like yes, I saw other people who were. You know, when I was sixteen, I was seeing people who were twenty two, twenty three, twenty five who were just absolutely living their best life. And, you know, I don't judge a lot in terms of financially, but I, I just say in terms of happiness, fitness, they were they were loving life. They were absolutely loving it. And I looked at them and I thought, you used to look so much like me. Like you were in school, you were maybe not enjoying it, um, and you had to push yourself through it and you found a way to do it. So if you did it, then surely I can do it, right? That's the kind of mindset I've had. And that's the mindset I still have if I look at people like the Tony Robbins of the world or Zig Ziglar's, Brian Tracy's, um, Stephen Covey, these really famous, uh, successful motivational speakers. They were once in the exact same position that you were and the position that that I'm in. So that really ignites a big fire within me to say like, okay, I can do this. The second thing, that first year, that process that you're asking me about, was very much me just being a student. And I'm still a student every single day. I think you are too, Kai. I know you're always doing 100% courses to learn and grow. And I think the day that you think you know it all is going to be your last day as a leader that people look up yeah. to. And you know, we just see the world over the last six months, like no one other than maybe Bill Gates with his TED Talk who found yeah, it. how funny is that? <laughs> like <laughs> shocking, but no one else could have seen this coming. And so... Everyone who right now gets very complacent on the idea that they're an expert and that nothing's going to change is going to very much fall behind. So in the first year, I just said, look, I'm at the bottom of this whole thing. Like you want to talk about success? I know nothing about success at the age of 16, 17. I've watched one video on it. But I'm thinking to myself, if I can just read the top five books on success, you know, if you read the top five books on a subject, that pretty much puts you in like the top... 20% of people who know stuff about that subject. Like if I want to be a chef, which I don't want to be Kai and I'm really bad at cooking, but (laughs) man, last time I cooked, I nearly set fire to my house. But if I wanted to be a chef, I would go and read the top five books on cooking. And just by reading that in say a week or two weeks, if I sped sped read it, I could learn that skill, you know, and become one of the best people at that really quickly. And not burn the house down at least. (laughs) And not burn the house down, right? It's the same thing. Like you've done, you know, obviously with your podcasting so amazingly and all the content you put out is you want to become an expert at things really quickly. So the the idea here was the first year, we're just going to read. We're going to listen to podcasts before podcasts were cool, mind you, back in 2013. Cool and groovy, you know. (laughs) It wasn't a thing back then, you know. Now everyone has a podcast that they listen to. I'm sure the people that listen to this love it, but back then it it wasn't a thing. Um, So, you know, we were listening. I would go on walks. I would listen, listen, listen to Eric Thomas, Les Brown, uh, to Tony Robbins, all their tapes. I would go on Spotify and SoundCloud, which, by the way, they're still all there and free. You can just 
absolutely listen to everything they've got. There's no, it's no expiry date. All of this stuff that David listened to is still out there, as he said. Yeah, totally. And you know that was made in the 1990s, but it's still hilarious and still so applicable to the world we live in because this stuff doesn't go out of date. You know. Um, yeah. So it was just learning, learning, learning for the first year. It was a lot of free work, a lot of volunteering, a lot of shadowing, and yeah, that's how I became good. And you know, you're never going to think you're amazing at something, right? There might be a lot of people out there right now that are like, I could never be an expert at fitness or cooking or podcasting or whatever. The reality Mm. is the only thing you need to be an expert is you only need to be one or two steps ahead of your audience, right? So, you know, you could be a 15-year-old teaching 13-year-olds how to study or how to cook or something. If you're just a few steps ahead, you're an expert to that audience. Like, they're going to learn from you. It, it's a really interesting point because it actually, this this brings me back to to when I was working on the tutoring agency that I co-founded um, yeah. a few years ago. Tutors United, um, right? Yeah, Student Tutors United. And that, that student part was was our whole premise. We were, we were sort of peer-to-peer tutoring. So, it wasn't that you had a year seven getting tutored by a graduated uni student um, because that's, that's the whole model of the industry at the moment. That's what everyone else was doing and is still doing. Uh, what we did is we actually went and and sort of thought, okay, well, I'm a high school. I, I was a high school student, and my mate was a high school student at the time, doing private tutoring for younger high school and primary school students. And we thought, look, this is actually mm-hmm. something that's really working beneficially for both parties. We're getting closer revision to sort of fundamental topics that we might have sort of forgotten or anything like that from younger years. We have a greater understanding of what these younger, you know, younger yep. students are facing because we've just gone through it. So, so exactly. we actually sort of built not just a, a, a tutor-student relationship, but almost like a mentorship, which was which was really fantastic. So, so we thought let's let's sort of package this and turn it into an agency and train other high school students up. But but I think ultimately it comes down to that sort of if you can be almost closer in in age or in ability or experience, but just have that that level up and the willingness to share. That with those people still early on in that journey, I think sometimes that's more powerful than having someone who has done it and 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 sort of succeeded yeah. and just sort of sat at the top and and sort of try and sort of re- relate to those younger people. So it's a really interesting point. I totally agree, and I think that's why people you know enjoy following people like yourself or the things we do. You know, you're you're close to that level. You know, I don't think a lot of students whilst they would get a lot out of someone like Tony Robbins, who's the most successful motivational speaker in probably the history of the world, yeah. is he's not relatable to a 16-year-old, you know, whereas yeah. someone like yourself is much more relatable to that person. So, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, I don't think uh, relatability comes from, like, just being able to throw in the word TikTok, you know, here and there. Like, like no. Tony Robbins could come in <laughs> and, and, and he, could, he, could, he could be like, oh, yeah, I'm on TikTok and then all, all, everyone is just, like, super duper, like, related to him now and we're all keen. Like, I think it actually comes down to, like, the, the, the deeper understanding of who that person is. You know, they are, you know, in, in my example, and I've sort of done my, my speaking in the past and my sort of content and probably for mm. yourself, you know, they are students as well. They are they are this and that. They actually have a greater understanding and a deeper empathy for the position that I'm in as a person receiving this, this sort of speech or video or anything like that. Totally. Totally agree, my friend. Look, I want to I want to also jump into um, sort of to wrap up um, creating content fast because I, I know that a lot of your programs um, you've sort of spent quite a long time sort of developing that online content for. But obviously, as you said earlier, and we touched on it, 
this has thrown a spanner in the works for yourself and probably anyone else that is creating stuff online, whether yeah. it's a, you know, a, a resource channel or whether it's, you know, the courses. And, and I, I want to understand uh, very quickly about how you sort of approached creating that type of content, even though it was sort of a, a mini course, five hours roughly of content. Uh, what are the sort of the, the, I guess, tangible strategies you use, the, you know, the gear or sort of the, the process to actually push that content out and get a, a, get a course marketable while all of this was still occurring? Firstly, know your audience and what they're looking for right now. So as soon as this whole crisis came up, you know, I was, I'm already in contact with a lot of the students, which is great. But specifically for people who are listening to this, whatever you're working on, you want to know what your customers or what your audience is really going through, what are their pressure points and problems? And that became very clear quickly with high school students that there were problems A, B, and C, and this is what needed needed work. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, as I've kind of alluded to previously in the podcast, is just finding the top resources on that on that topic already and then shifting the focus of them to the modern world that we live in. So for example, when I started first forming motivational speeches, I would find the top five books on motivational speaking or motivation, go read them, make huge amounts of notes on all the stuff, usually find a lot of commonalities between those five books, then choose a a massive Mm. threat, a massive threat. And then say, okay, now how does that relate to a 16-year-old? Because all these books are generally written at an audience of a 30 or 40-year-old level who's a corporate professional trying to climb some business ladder. But I'm not at that level and neither is my audience. So I know my audience wants to learn how to study better, improve their grades or develop better friendships at school. So how does that relate back to that now? And so as you can see, essentially my course, I could spend maybe $100 on books. So maybe I bought five books at $20 each. And I've researched so much stuff online. Maybe I did two or three online courses, which I paid for. So I might have invested, you know, two or $300 into this this idea of motivation. But now I can build my own course that's more relatable to my audience, basically by copying genius, by copying people who have already spent so long working on it. Like I'm not a scientist. I don't want to go run seven years worth of experiments right i want to read the book on the guy who already did the experiments and then use that information to build up my argument so it can be done very quickly through podcasting through books through online courses you just want to like i said become a quick expert and learn very quickly in that field and the quicker you learn in the field the quicker you can make content in the field that's really interesting. And, and you know what it is? Ultimately, uh, it's coming down to that concept of, of copy genius. I know for me um, personally, that came out of um, Leap Week, which is uh, a sort of a leadership conference uh, you and I have had um, previous history at. That's mm. over in the States. Um, we were both there last year, which was an amazing experience. One of the things that they really pushed was to copy genius. And I think for a lot of people um, in this sort of space, um, you know, myself included, um, a lot of what you do is build the the personal ability to communicate uh, and and synthesize and summarize um, 
and and sort of present that information that is out there uh, that is researched and and developed in other people um, and present it in a way that makes sense to the people you're trying to present it to i think that is ultimately yeah. the skill sure it's it's one thing to to sort of understand what they're teaching and and to sort of implement that in your own life that's that's step one but step two which makes i think what you're doing so successful and so insightful is your personal ability to, to sort of transfer that information in a way that makes sense to the high school student. Yeah, you've got to be able to explain it on a very simple level. Can I leave you with one last kind of metaphor here, Kai? I would, I would love you to do that. With this idea of copy genius, the, the, the quote I heard at Leap initially, my first year there was, you can learn more from a mentor over lunch, over a 30-minute lunch, than you can in, say, two years of trial and error. And that really stuck with me because I thought, if I'm looking at a path right now ahead of me and there's, there's two forks in the road and one of them is I have to go do this all myself, trial, error, fail myself and learn from it. It's going to take me two years or I can invest 20 bucks in a mentor taking them out for lunch next week and asking them all those questions and avoiding all that. Which path am I going to take? And the answer is obvious. It's, it? it's very obvious. It's working smarter, not harder. And ultimately, both paths will take you to where you want to go, but one is just going to take you so much quicker. So that's this whole concept. And at the end of the day, that just makes a huge, huge difference. So hopefully that's a big golden nugget for everyone listening here today. Mm, those types of insights are so valuable. Look, David, thank you so much for, for chatting emotional intelligence, sort of having to pivot during coronavirus, getting content out quickly uh, and, and sort of sharing a bit of your story. Um, I look forward to plenty more conversations like these between you and I um, in the future. But look, to, to sort of finish off, where can um, listeners sort of get in touch with you and sort of find some of your work? Yes, fantastic. Please, um, if you're interested and if you're struggling with this type of stuff and you want to learn more, please head to www.davidcastellanelli.com. That is my website or via Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. We are currently writing a new book. As you talk about fast content, Kai, there's a new book coming out pretty soon in about three weeks time. So I'm going to be actually giving that book out for free. So stay uh, updated with our information, get involved and um, we'll get you free book coming out in the next few weeks. So much value and, and so, so grateful for, for, you know, your time this afternoon to chat. Thanks for your time, David. Thank you for having me, Kai. I appreciate all the work you do. Thank you so much. You've been listening to How To Be Curious, produced in Perth, Western Australia. Thanks for joining us.